Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow us on X at TheLinesUS. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. And you can follow Mo on Twitter, two W's, at Mo Noir. Breaking down the NFL Week 16 card. All of our best bets for the weekend. You can find the rest of our bets in the Discord channel. The link is over at TheLines.com. In the top right-hand corner, we promise it's free. And then after we get into our favorite plays, Mike Palm from Circus Sports one of the best voices in this industry, former sports better, really unique journey when it comes to his path to now being in Las Vegas. And we'll get into that with Mike in the back half of this episode of Beat the Closing Number. Remember to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever the lines releases new sports betting content. And also give us a five-star review if you're listening to the audio-only edition of the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find a favorite podcast. Mo, we are 35 and 19 on spreads and totals in 2023. But more importantly, how did your Christmas shopping go, or is it over at this point? It's over, but I would hardly call it Christmas shopping. I mean, I got like four things. <laughs> how do you go about it? What's your process like? It's not much of a process. I sit there and think of like the four people I need to shop for. And then I get it all done in like a two-hour span, and then I go have a beer. That's exactly what I did. What a terrible gift giver. What's this? What are you doing, man? I'm washed. That's what it is. In many facets of life, you reach your mid to late 30s, and you become washed. And uh, yeah, (laughs) Christmas shopping is one of them, I guess. But uh, I don't know. I don't want anyone to get me anything, so I'm not like I'm I'm definitely a net positive for the gift the gift uh exchange community. What about with all your poker money? You gotta wanna spend on the people, no? No. Most of that's gone anyway. Torched it off. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, even though I don't celebrate Christmas, I'll be listening to All I Want for Christmas is you, my favorite jam for the next forty eight hours straight. It's extra good when Steven's the one singing it. That's a lot. Steve and Andres are boss. I I wasn't the biggest fan of that video. Do you have a favorite Christmas song? I'm sure you do. Not really. I'm not a big, not really a big Christmas guy, to be honest. I mean, I used to be sometimes like I would spend a lot more time. You called me out and I think back to when I was younger. I would spend a lot more time on stuff. But uh, yeah, like I said, too busy, too washed now. It's over for me. It's over. Well, hopefully... Our bets are continuing to be on the uptick, even though you're washed when it comes to giving out Christmas gifts. Hopefully, you'll continue to give out NFL winners. Like I said, it's been a great NFL season for us so far. And if you're looking to tail or fade any of our bets this weekend, you can use promo code the lines one word, over at BetMGM Sportsbook to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. And you could also win Amazon gift cards with our free NFL contests over at play.thelines.com. So, Mo, let's kick it off with one of your favorite bets for NFL Week 16. Bengals at Steelers. Cincinnati down to a one and a half, two point road favorite. It was sitting around two and a half earlier in the week. Total of 37. Mason Rudolph in for Mitch Trubisky at quarterback for the Steelers. And... On the positive front for Pittsburgh, injury-wise, Cam Hayward, their defensive lineman, out of concussion protocol. 
But on the downside, neither of the Steelers' safeties will be in, including Minka Fitzpatrick. So how are you handicapping one of two Saturday games in the NFL? I like the Steelers. I did not know how much I was going to really like the Steelers until I started looking around at the numbers today and the injuries. And yeah, just thinking back a few weeks ago, you have a spot where the Steelers were the Steelers were road favorites in Cincinnati. I mean, I had the other side of that game, and that did not go well at all for Cincinnati. Um, I was a little bit early on the Jake Browning, uh, the Jake Browning bandwagon, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the Bengals. I mean, they got dominated in that game. I mean, I think the final was sixteen to ten, but the final score does not honestly do it justice. The Steelers were were a much better team in that game, and um, you have a, a Steelers team that last week was favored, or at least around a pick in, in some spots uh, coming into this game, and then yeah, obviously they embarrassed themselves versus the Colts, and now um, changing to Mason Rudolph, like you said. Looking back at that previous matchup, I mean, they had a lot of success up front against the Bengals. Did sack Jake Browning uh, four times. He was under quite a bit of heat in that game. Uh, I watched uh, a good amount of that because, like I said, I did have the Bengals and did not have much hope for a comeback there. They were seeming pretty outclassed in that game, to be honest. Uh, I I know Browning's been playing much better, and man, I, I... listened to some shows and read some articles about Browning really impressed with what he's been doing um, and what the Bengals offense in general has been doing, but it's a tough spot here without their best player, Jamar chase. Um, And then on the other side of the ball, one of their more important players as well, DJ reader, he is a pretty key run stuffer for them to a defense that really, I mean, has been so bad. They just, they can't afford really to lose anything, you know, and they're losing a key piece. I mean, the Vikings pretty much dominated them on that side of the ball, 6.3 yards per play, uh, outgained them overall. I also like that TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, multiple weeks removed from their injuries at this point. Hopefully they can play a little better. They got crushed up front by the Colts last week. It was pretty embarrassing. Um, Just down the stretch of that game, some of those drives were hard to watch. I mean, it looked like college football, honestly. Just like knowing the other team is running straight and not being able to stop it is college stuff. So uh, I would hope the Steelers regrouping and going to bring a better effort this week. Uh, their offense obviously is a big question mark against this Bengals defense that that has. We, we've kind of dumped on it all year, and, and rightfully so. Um you just look at the numbers, bottom of the barrel, pretty much in yards per play. I'm not sure if anybody's been worse than them. Um, at times when I watch the Steelers, I think their pass protection can struggle in must-pass situations. I feel like they just like allow a lot of... Maybe it's the communication's not the best, or maybe um, the linemen just aren't as good in... in like true pass sets, as they say, but I don't know if they're going to have that many of these in this game, man. I, I mean, if they can just pound the rock, this Bengals defense is so vulnerable there, and and, and we have seen the Steelers play very well in the run blocking game at, at a lot of times this year, and 
this is a spot where they should. And then even on the outside, I mean, you have injuries to the Bengals DBs. You have DBs that you and I don't really believe in. And you have a talented group of pass catchers for the Steelers. So uh, as long as these wide receivers aren't like in full mutiny, I know they've had some locker room issues there. But I mean, these are the times where Mike Tomlin is supposed to shine, right? This is when he's supposed to do his best work. You know, get the band back together and and get things rolling in the right direction. I really do feel like this line should be a pick 'em. I I don't think the Steelers should be giving points in this spot at home. So, I, another thing uh you know, our boss Steven, we already mentioned him. He fired the over. He got a bad number at 38. It's down to 37. I kind of like his side, though, man. I, these Bengals games are all flying over. They can't stop anybody. So I'm kind of feeling maybe an over there, too, if people want to uh, bet that one as well. All right, a couple bets potentially for you in this game. I'll probably wind up on Pittsburgh, too, or at least I agree with you for the most part on the side. You brought up two really key points. A, if you flip home field advantage from the last time these two teams met, we were both on Pittsburgh or Cincinnati. In that game. So I was with you losing on the Bengals as short home dogs. But if you flip it, and I know Pittsburgh has key injuries, especially in their secondary, the line would have been Steelers minus five at home. So, like you said, a pick is probably fair just when you consider the spot for Pittsburgh coming off back to back losses and a bad loss in Indianapolis after being up double digits, albeit the injury sustained midway through the game. Pittsburgh also should be able to rely on their ground game against a very poor run defense. Reader, I don't think you stressed it enough how vital he is for this Bengals run defense. And even with him this season overall, they rank 26th in EPA per carry allowed. And one of the best run stopping tackles, one of the best nose tackles really in the NFL, I think. Pittsburgh, even with Harris still being pretty inefficient on the ground, should be able to exploit and control the clock a bit. I don't know how much I trust the Bengals offense, even though Browning's helped them win three straight games, two of those coming in overtime. So two coin flips, essentially, and you probably don't win in Jacksonville if Lawrence doesn't get hurt in the fourth quarter. So at the very least, I'm with you. Even if I don't get there with an official bet, I definitely think if you're going to play this game, Pittsburgh is the side. On to a game that relates to the Bengals because One of those overtime wins I mentioned was against Minnesota last week. And I'm backing the Vikings. I know you are too. As three, three and a half point home dogs against Detroit. Total of 47. I bet this at Minnesota plus three and a half minus 110 earlier in the week. You could still get a juice three and a half. And if not, I would still play this at a cheaper plus three. Still at the key number at home. I know Detroit may be appealing on the surface just because They put up the third most EPA per play last week against Denver. And keep in mind, though, that was a Broncos defense, as we discussed ad nauseum. That was due for a ton of negative variance with all the turnover luck they got during their even six of their last eight games were wins. So despite the loss last week, they've still been red hot overall and a lot of turnover luck. Minnesota can stop this Lions run game that was able to exploit the Broncos on the ground. Vikings have a top 10 run defense in EPA per carry allowed. They also rank much higher in terms of being able to limit opposing play action. And that's where Goff was able to also take advantage of the Broncos defense last week. And then there's the most important factor for the Vikings defensively with Brian Flores going up against Jared Goff. 
Digging into this, man, I, I cannot believe some of the numbers. A, Goff struggles a ton against pressure and zone coverage, which we harped on a bunch going back to the two Bears games in recent weeks for Detroit. The Vikings blitz at the league's highest clip, and it's like nearly six percentage points higher than the next highest team, the Giants, I think, with Wink Martindale right behind Minnesota. And they also use cover zero and cover two 2.7 times the league average. And if you just look at this season specifically, Amon Ross St. Brown against cover zero and cover two looks, 0.86 yards per route run this season. So it's not just Goff historically struggling against that coverage. It even shows up with one of the more explosive receivers in the NFL against it this year. And then you go and look back at Goff against Brian Flores in his two previous matchups against the Vikings defensive coordinator. In 2020, four turnovers and an 8.5 quarterback rating against that Dolphins defense that Flores manned. And then in Super Bowl 53, when it was Rams and Patriots, and Flores was the New England linebacker coach, I think calling plays for the Pats defense that year, struggled in that Super Bowl too. No touchdowns, one pick, and pretty low quarterback rating at that. And then for Minnesota offensively, you mentioned this in our Discord earlier in the week, Vikings outgained Cincinnati in yards per play, A. Nick Mullins also, besides the two turnovers, which I know are pretty rough to watch, 0.18 EPA per play, pretty damn good, plus 17.1 completion percentage over expected, also pretty good, 66.4 pro football focus grade, and a 99.9 passer rating. Obviously, Justin Jefferson back in the lineup helps. Really explosive playmakers for Minnesota outside of Jefferson and Addison and Hawkinson. And on top of that, the Lions allowing the seventh best passing success rate in the NFL. So I love the spot here for Minnesota fighting for their playoff lives, even though Detroit can clinch the NFC North with a win. I really like Minnesota catching a key number of a field goal at home. And I know you're on this one too, Mo. Yeah, not quite as excited as you, I think. Um, you could convince me that a flat three is like a pretty fair line, but I just couldn't resist the three and a half. Uh, at Still one available at BetMGM, I believe. And uh, it wouldn't really surprise me, though, if you were right, and this should be honestly closer to a pick, like minus one or something, um, just because of Jared Goff's matchup. I mean, you said a lot of the, basically everything that's in my notes is stuff you already said. So I, I don't have a whole lot to add, but uh, the, I will say, you know, the Vikings seventh most zone coverage this year and we've talked about that a lot with Jared Goff and and I, I think this is crazy I mean I don't always put a lot of stock into PFF grades but when it matches kind of like what we're seeing and and what the numbers are saying I, I think it can matter and and you see Jared Goff's numbers against the blitz this year is crazy I mean he's 61 grade against the blitz 90 when he's not blitzed so uh, that just tells the tale. And I, I think we've known that for years with Jared Goff. Right? I mean, the guy has a tremendous arm. And if he sees a guy downfield and he doesn't have anybody in the way, because we know that he has a tendency to not see linebackers at times. So if there's a clear throwing lane and he can just zip the ball, I mean, this guy can, can rip it uh, downfield, you know, 20, 30 yards on a rope, about as good as anybody. But you know, when he has to make tough reads, when he has to uh, throw off his back foot, stuff like that is when he does tend to struggle. And 
Another thing that you didn't mention is uh, Ty Chandler. I think that he's actually providing some real juice to this running game. Uh, I know the Lions can be good against the run, but uh, I've talked at, at times. Alexander Madison is terrible. He's just a plunger. He just hopefully he doesn't play this week. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like he's probably going to so. go, but I, it sounds like Ty Chandler has uh, impressed the coaching staff enough to where they're just making him the starter. I mean, that's pretty much what I read. I believe earlier this week on Twitter, it sounds like Ty Chandler will be the top back regardless. And even if Madison goes, he's going to be more of um, the uh, change of pace spell. The, the top guy, uh, running back here. So Madison is, is not good. So anytime somebody else who has shown a little bit of punch is getting some carries, I, I think that might help the Vikings a tad. And yeah, I, I just think Flores plus a home field that, you know, while it is inside, it is a loud, uh, disruptive crowd that can provide some help to the defense and, potentially make life a little bit more difficult on Jared Goff. We know that he thrives indoors at home. So I think with Brian Flores in this home field, uh, I think they can do enough on defense to, to keep this one close. So uh, I'm with you here all the way. I, I was very surprised. We saw Steven play the Lions early in the week, and we saw the market be with him, um, and it pops up to three and a half. I was definitely surprised. Uh, how much the market liked the Lions in this spot, but it seems to be coming back down a little bit. Maybe the Sharps are just in on Vikes at three and a half, and that's the only number they want. Daniil Hunter, Harrison Phillips, and Byron Murphy all missed the walkthrough of Wednesday's practice, so it's not really an official practice. So just a few very key names to keep an eye on for Minnesota. Jordan Hicks, though, is back for Minnesota. He practiced, or quote-unquote, practiced in full on Wednesday, which is huge after suffering what seemed to be a gruesome leg injury against the Saints going back to three to four weeks ago. So Minnesota getting the reinforcement back, but also very, very significant names to monitor. Hunter second in the NFL in sacks. So yeah, very I would disruptive. just throw out, it was an illness for him, not an injury. So that early in the week wouldn't be too concerned in most cases. Right. I'm with you there. On to the uh, third game and your second favorite bet, at least here on Beat the Closing Number for the NFL Week 16 card, Cowboys at Dolphins. This line down to a pick at Caesars, by the way. You could price shop the best odds over at thelines.com. Miami favored by a point and a half at other books. Total of 50. Probably the most difficult matchups, one of the most difficult offenses that Miami's defense has faced. And keep in mind, Miami's defense has gone up against arguably the league's easiest schedule when it comes to opposing offenses, even though recency bias will tell you Dallas could struggle offensively in this game just because they underperformed in a bad spot against Buffalo last week. Obviously, I'm being a little bit sarcastic there. And Miami also dealing with all sorts of injuries. So I know you got a two-parter here, Mo, because you just made a futures bet on Dallas A, and then you're looking to back the Cowboys as well in this game. Yeah, I took the plunge on the Cowboys. Um, just, I, I mean, it's ten to one on a what I think we can pretty much all agree is a top five team. I know they're gonna have to go to the boogeyman and and slay the dragon probably at some point and try to beat San Fran. Do I think they can? I mean, it's gonna be very tough. Obviously, I've talked multiple times about how I think the 49ers are probably multiple points better than any other team. But at the same time, I mean, this line is going to be like six and a half, whatever it may be. 
this is not going to be some insurmountable, you know, they're not going to be 13 point dog. Like this is doable. So at that point, I think they would likely be favored against any AFC team. So I just, I, I went with the Cowboys. I, I know that they could have a tough path, but I, I think they are that quality of a team. And I just wanted to buy low off what I think is a spot we talked about could be a little bit of a tough one against the Bills and a spot that I'm willing to overlook a little bit in some senses, although in some senses, maybe not. And that's that's what I'm going to talk about with, with this Dolphins matchup, I guess. Uh, question is just basically how will they hold up versus this zone rushing scheme? It has plagued them at times in the past. We have seen the Niners have success, but we've also seen them stand up to the Niners in some spots. I mean, they did not lose because of their defense last year, but you know, this man, Mozzie Smith, he is a major problem right now in the center of this defense. He is their first round rookie. Looks like a real weak point, has been a weak point in the past uh, for this team. Multiple seasons, they have struggled uh, in run defense. We have seen teams like the Chiefs, you know, that aren't known for necessarily an overpowering running game, have a lot of success against them. At the same time, man, look at this Miami team that three of five starting offensive linemen out, their best weapon by country miles, probably the best weapon in the entire NFL, Tyreek Hill. Um, most likely he's, he's going to play, but banged up at least. It didn't matter versus the Jets, you know. Uh, I lose five and a half points of CLV on that one, so <laughs> very fun. Uh, but uh, it's got to matter eventually, you would think, man. And, and I know there's some injuries on the other side with Dallas, but I, I looked. Zach Martin sounds like he's going to try to go. It is just a bruise. He says he thinks he can go. And Tyron Smith also logging DNPs this week, but uh, he played 100% of the snaps last week. I checked into the the snap data. I'm guessing that means he's fine. Um, and Another thing that has plagued Dallas is just their home road splits. They've been kind of atrocious. I mean, that, that's why you see that game against the Bills. It's not a good spot. They're outdoors in bad weather against a good team playing for its playoff lives, you know. But this playing in Miami, I mean, this is the closest thing you can get in December to a, an indoor game, right? So uh, should be pretty friendly conditions. So I think Dallas should maybe be favored here, man. I mean, with... I, it wouldn't surprise me if they blew Miami out. I, I don't know if Miami, I think a real, basically what I'm getting at is I think a real NFL team could have taken advantage, but the Jets did not put an NFL offense on the field last week. So uh, we'll see if that matters this week. But yeah, I just think, I think this is a bounce back spot for the Cowboys. I think they might dominate uh, just an injury riddled Miami bunch. I, I think this is a good team with a good coach, but it's not it's not a good situation for them right now with three of five linemen I, I know that they like the 49ers get a lot out of their system but at some point the talent's got to matter yeah I'm with you on the Dallas spot yet another game that we're in agreement on and really quick before we're joined by our guest Falcons a bet for me even though it opened at two and a half Falcons as a short home favorite you can get them minus one total of 44 and a half but really like Atlanta coming off back-to-back losses Indianapolis I'm selling high on them I mentioned that on the Monday edition of beat the closing number winning for their last five games you look at their defense excluding turnovers below league average when it comes to EPA per play and success rate allowed also plus one in point differential the second worst among any eight and six team while Atlanta six and eight straight up six one possession losses and tied for the fifth worst turnover differential and 
now you're going from Desmond Ritter to Taylor Heineke, which in all aspects is an upgrade, at least when it comes to the probability of limiting turnovers. And if this Atlanta rushing defense gets on Yamada back, which is a question mark, but still top 10 run defense without him in the lineup this year, I think they'll be able to shut down Indianapolis's best offensive weapon, which is their ground game, even if Taylor is back. And then if Michael Pittman can't go, coming off of that brutal concussion he suffered against Pittsburgh, which knocked the Steelers' safety out of the game and for the season, I think, suspension-wise, then I think we're going to see some potential turnovers for Gardner Minshew, who is tied for the third-highest turnover-worthy play rate among qualified quarterbacks. So those are our bets this week. Mo mentioned Cowboys, Falcons right there for me, Vikings, and the Steelers. Now it's time to be joined by our guest, the great Mike Palm, currently the Vice President of Operations for Circa, the D and Golden Gate Casinos out in Las Vegas. How's it going today, Mike? Great, busy, getting ready for Christmas. Uh, It should be a pretty good Thursday night football game tonight. Uh, and of course we've got the survivor sweats and look, the millions is really tight as well at the top. So it's going to be a fun next few weeks and a fun weekend ahead. Mike, have you gotten your Christmas shopping done? Mo and I were touching on that from the start or do you still have a lot to do? No, I have one more gift to get and that's it, uh, for my wife. She did probably 85% of the shopping, which includes, you know, our kids, caregivers and teachers, and then all her friends and their families and our families. So she did the majority of it. I probably did 10 to 15% of it. So we're, we're pretty much buttoned up. <laughs> I'm right there with you. And Mo decided to slack off this year. So we're pretty much all in alignment on that front. But Mike, we usually start off with our guests about their journey in the sports betting industry. And you've been around for a long time and have one of the more unique stories when it comes to now being behind the counter in a sense over at Circa and a bunch of the other operations out in Las Vegas that you guys are a part of. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience for those who aren't familiar with you. Well, I'll try to give you the Cliffs notes. I'm from uh, Dubuque, Iowa, graduated from Waller High School, uh, went to the University of Notre Dame, degree in history and English. Uh, I was actually in the seminary program there for the first two years. Came back to Iowa, taught in uh, a Catholic school in Boone, Iowa. That's uh, about 12 miles from Ames. And I was, uh, you know, I was making $18,600 a year teaching and coaching three sports. And and I had, uh, you know, notices from Sally May all the time. So in the summer after my first year uh, back in teaching, um, I got a job dealing poker. You know, I made more dealing poker in two and a half months than I did in teaching nine months, which is a sad commentary on society. Uh, Went back, taught one more year and then sort of uh, gravitated into the casino industry through poker and table games. I was uh, in Iowa, in Northwest Indiana for six years. First it was Showboat, then then Harris. Went to the Borgata in Atlantic City for a year. When they opened, came back to the Midwest for a year and then and then ended up in Las Vegas in 2005. Uh, started at Fitzgerald's downtown in 2006. Was here when Derek Stevens bought the property at the end of 2011. And, um, you know, it's been quite a journey ever since. Okay, I have to follow up as a relatively high-volume poker player. Where did you deal poker? Also, by the way, I think I've probably driven through something Boone, Iowa a million times. I take that I-80 route all the time. So where did you deal poker, and do you play poker? You know, I don't have the time for it anymore. It's such a time investment, you know, and 
I'm a limit player. Uh, you know, I was forced to play no limit, you know, after Moneymaker because the games were good. But, uh, you know, I'm a limit Omaha 8, stud 8 player. Um, that's what I, I love to do and like to let other people bet my hand for me. But anyhow, uh, I dealt at the Miss Marquette and then I dealt shortly at the Showboat, then Harris. And then I worked in a supervisory or, or manager or director capacity uh, at the Borgata and then at Potawatomi for nine months. And then here in town at uh, MGM, uh, at the, uh, the Venetian uh, and at the Palms for a short time. Awesome. Awesome journey. And Mo takes a lot of days off from this podcast <laughs> playing poker. So he could definitely relate in a sense. But I want to ask you about the Circus Survivor Contest to start. One of the more, if not the most unique Survivor Contest in the country for any sports book, any sports book that runs a Survivor Contest or just in general. And currently, right now, 10 participants remaining after the Titans eliminated a couple, I believe, and then the Packers took out the other of the 13 remaining going back to ahead of week 15. And now the remaining contestants have to pick the Christmas Day games as a separate slate this week. So that's what kind of differentiates it among other factors. You have one person that's still left tweeting earlier this week saying that he's not going to split any of the pool potentially with any of the remaining contestants so no side deal going on but if you were involved in the circus survivor this week mike what would your strategy be well it's it's a fascinating contest and the great part of it is when you go out it's always a bad beat right because you have a favorite so you're picking a team to win so now you can't wait to get in next year because it can't happen again it's like all the people that got knocked out by houston over jacksonville and jacksonville two years in a row now um so yeah, we're 92, over 9,200 entries, a person could get up to 10. And so 9.236, whatever it is in the prize pool, down to 10. Um, they were down to 13 headed into last week. And I know that there were chop talks, save talks, um, save 400,000 a piece, right? 5.2 million and play for the other 4 million. There was at least one person who said no out of the 13 and that person was very public about it. Uh, Golden Boy, who is a poker player. Speaking right? of a, poker, another poker guy. A pretty known poker player. So um, he said no. And I mean, there's been like outrage of people saying, why wouldn't you say 400000 You've invested so much, you know, at this point. And, you know, we assume everybody maybe is at a $20, $50, $100, $500 a game better. But if you're betting 100000 a game, are you going to save four bets? Right. I mean, just as an example. Right. If you're a $40 better a game and they said, oh, let's chop and save 80, you're going to say that's ridiculous, right? You're going to, you're going to play for 15x what your, your bet is. So uh, there's not going to be a chop as long as he's involved. Now, the other nine could get together and do some sort of a save exclusive of him. I know there's been a lot of monetizing by selling percentages of tickets. Six of the 10 either have a, a credit line with us or have sent front money because we'll take the hedge bets. So. Uh, they're loaded to go. They're flying in. Most of them will be in town this week, and it's fun sweating the games with them. This is the fourth year of Survivor. The first year, 35 people chopped it. The second year, five people. And last year, two people got $3 million each, although pretty sure they did a chop when there was three left heading into the last week, and they all got $2 million. So, uh, yeah, unique. You mentioned Christmas. Thanksgiving and Christmas are their own weeks, so 18 weeks of the season, but you got to go 20-0 here. You had to pick a winner on Thanksgiving, and you have to pick a winner on Christmas. On Christmas, all of the 10 have, have either the Eagles 
or Kansas City. One person has them both. So perhaps they use Kansas City and they can find another place to use Philadelphia. The hardest thing is the last week, week 18, you can't handicap because nobody knows who needs to play for what right now. And I can also say no one's ever been eliminated through three years in the last week. The first year, 35 people, all of them got through. Five all got through. I say they all got through because I know they chopped last year. I I believe they chopped because um, watching them sweat the game at the end, there's no way the guy lost, you know, two million dollars and took it that calmly. Um <laughs> The, the the guy, Golden Boy, the poker player, he's got a big advantage in that he's the only one that has Jacksonville left. So if you go if you get through Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, this week 17 is tricky. No one else has Jacksonville. They host Carolina. Of course, we know Trevor Lawrence. There's some issues with the ankle, but still, that's a nice spot to be in. And I understand if that's one of the reasons he doesn't want to chop. All, oh, so let's talk this week. All 10 have the Broncos. Nine of the 10 have the Bears, nine of the 10 have the Packers, and one person has the Rams if you want to use them tonight. I think all 10 entries will be between those four teams. I don't think there's anything else. There's no San Francisco. There's no Buffalo. None of those are available anymore. So the question is sort of the Broncos was kind of the obvious choice heading into this. How many of the 10 will use the Broncos? If they don't, are they going to use the Packers at Carolina, the five-point favorite, the Bears at home? To Arizona, four and a half point favorite, or a lot of people like the Rams just straight up tonight, laying the four. Do you use the four, the Rams tonight? That one person, that one person has a huge advantage. If they should choose the Rams and win, then their dream scenario is all other nine choose the choose the Broncos, and you're sitting there on Christmas Eve, and the Broncos are minus two eighty. I mean, you can bet if you could get down four and a half million, just let's say you could, right? You've got three days to do it. The game will be over tonight. It's a night game on Sunday. If you could get down four and a half million, you pick up a million and a half. Or if they win, if the Broncos win, right, you pick up you pick up a million and a half and you're still alive with 10 people. If they lose, you lose four and a half million, but you just won four point eight million because you're the sole winner of Survivor. And if they pushed would be the miracle example. You, you don't lose your bet and you take the whole nine point two million. So it's fascinating. The hedging strategies, you know, the betting hedging gets a little tricky. Because you have to be liquid, and then it's a negative progression game as long as you keep advancing if you're betting against your own pick. Right. <laughs> it's a mind game in its <laughs> own right. And I, I heard you on with Mitch and Pauly earlier in the week, and you were discussing. I don't think it pertained to anyone remaining in the contest or in previous weeks. Maybe it did, but just with Survivor contests in general, that it's absurd that people don't plan for getting to, let's say, week 13, week 14, because they may be out of teams at that point, depending on who's left, right? Well, we got to Thanksgiving, and there were people that didn't have any of the three favorites, people that we actually know in life, friends of ours, or so and, and, and they'd say, well, we made it, but, but which dog do you think? And, and it ends up Green Bay wins, right? So they, they advance, but like... They never thought they'd get that far, so they don't consider the Christmas or the or or, uh, or or the Thanksgiving Day, or you know, if you're going to enter a contest and and hope to cash at the end, you have to have some plan for liquidity uh, if you want to hedge. Now, this this thing has become very much in vogue selling percentages of your tickets, much like a, a poker player in a tournament, um, which is probably the cleanest way. You don't have to be liquid, and you really vitiate your risk there and recoup the money up front, and then you can use that money to do whatever you want as well. And then you don't have to bet against yourself as well. Yep. So, yep. yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, it does sound. This is all great stuff, by the way. Love the survivor strategy. Um, not see if I can survive more than two weeks next year. Um, 
Anyways, on to this week. Uh, we wanted to ask you about a few of the big games. For sure about the 49ers-Ravens. Obviously getting a lot of press. Even if the game doesn't wind up being as important as maybe it looked due to some of the other results that have happened, like the Eagles and Cowboys losing. Um, what are you looking at when you handicap this game, and uh, is there a side or a total you're liking? So um, it's an inter- I think the, the coach of the year and the MVP debates are all very interesting this year because it's not really a clear-cut minus $6, $10 favorite right now. If you think that the Ravens, you know, the 49ers can lose a game, they've got to lose two, and, and, and Philadelphia and Dallas went out to lose home field and all that. I mean, if you think the Ravens can go across the country and win this game, I take a look at Lamar Jackson for MVP rather than betting the game. That would be my angle on this. Um, I, I don't particularly believe that, although I think Lamar has a case on his own outside of this game to be MVP just because I don't think Purdy's the most valuable player on his own team. He's probably going to win the award, but um, I'm not sure that they can go on the road and that their offense can be consistent enough for four quarters to generate the the points it takes to beat a 49er team at home. You have to do what Cincinnati did uh, when Burrow was still healthy and go there and basically score touchdowns on three quarters of your drives and take control of the game. It's, it's It's a very tough team to play against. I think the 49ers are probably four points, three and a half points better on a neutral than anybody right now with Baltimore rated second. So it's a tall task. But from, from a betting perspective, and I don't think we talk enough about betting. We talk about handicapping. But from a betting perspective, if you, if you, are, if you would bet uh, Ravens money line, I would bet instead Lamar for MVP. Switching gears a little bit to your guys' other contest, which mm-hmm. I also participate in, uh, the Circa Millions. Uh, do you see any side this week that I don't know if the the lines are out yet? But did you guys release the lines? And if you yeah, did, we released them. I haven't looked yet. We released them at noon uh, Central Time there, so we just released them uh, not long ago on Thursday mornings. Yeah, yeah, that's about. When I knew they came out sometime today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, is there a side you think might be a sneaky one? And how much value in general in that contest? Do you put in trying to find some of the maybe more hidden gem type spots where you're not necessarily with a lot of the the rest of the contest in some of the picks? Because that's something me and my partners talk about, and uh, sometimes it gets some pushback from some of our listeners. Well, here's this point in in the contest where, like, you know, if you're sitting in the mid 50s and you're trying to make a serious run at the top 10, you have to go contrarian. So you're going to go and against the stale lines and take the worst line here because you know everybody's going to be using those lines that's ahead of you you're not going to make up any ground taking the consensus picks obviously right so are you just trying to cash or are you trying to get bigger money right and and so this is where guys that have done well in the future going against stale lines now i don't know how stale lines are going to be obviously we have so many backup quarterbacks and injury situations i mentioned the bears as one of the uh, possible survivor plays i actually um, lean the Cardinals here getting four and a half in this spot. I think they're an interesting pick. I'm not sure how many people would be on them. You know, the Bears' strength is their run defense. That's clear. It's one of the most untalked about things in the whole National Football League in terms of a, a side of a ball for a team. They've been good all year, but we focused on the offense and fields and the quarterback and that. But Arizona not necessarily need to run the football to be successful. And since Kyler's come back, I think he's added 
uh, some spark to that team. I think Arizona is dangerous here. If I had the survivor entry, I would draw a line through the Bears this week. Uh, I would consider the other three before I considered the Bears. So uh, if there's one game that I would be on in a contest, if this is four and a half, it would be the Cardinals. You mentioned all the backup quarterbacks potentially this week. Joe Flacco, C.J. Beathard, Case Keenum, Nick Mullins, Taylor Heineke, Gardner Minshew, Drew Locke, Mason Rudolph, Jake Browdy, Easton Stick, Malik Willis, Bailey Zappi, Tommy DeVito, and Aiden O'Connell. Good luck to all of us. But more importantly, thank you very much for coming on, Mike. He is Mike Palm at Mike Palm Circa on X Twitter, Vice President of Operations for the D, Golden Gate, and Circa out in Las Vegas. Really, really appreciate the time. I know Moby and a poker player also enjoyed hearing your story for sure. Next time I'm in Chicago, you guys will come go to a game together. All right. We'll 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 find it. We'll find the time. Love it, Mike. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Big thanks to Mike Palm for hopping on and As we discussed midway through the conversation, there's so much strategy that goes into this, right, Mo? Because you can get to a point, like I was bringing up, where it's a survivor contest that's so unique that you have to have a pick on Thanksgiving, and it turns out you have none left. Yeah, it requires a lot of planning for sure. Um, Definitely something I spent a lot of time on the last couple of years planning our entries and then uh, not ever looking again after the first few weeks because I keep being too aggressive, but it's, that's the way it goes sometimes. I, I don't know. It's something I might think about next year is maybe being a little bit more of a knit at times early in the season, just because like you don't necessarily know what your which teams you're going to want to save for later in a lot of spots. Cause between like, teams that lose the quality compared to their preseason ratings and injuries, especially quarterback injuries. A lot of things can change. So uh, it definitely makes sense in some spots to maybe be a little bit nittier. And maybe that's something I'll have to consider next year. Well, the NFL is considering something different. I don't know if you saw this earlier today, probably didn't. There's a tug of war added to the pro bowl. And I would honestly prefer, I'm sure some of our sides, man, are going to come down to some bullshit officiating. I would probably prefer Either the coaches or the officials do some sort of tug of war besides or instead of having to deal with some of the bad officiating like we saw that you brought up on Monday show in Jags and Ravens. Not that that would have decided the spread. Maybe Jacksonville backdoors if the Ridley touchdown is ruled in bounds like it should have. But we know we're going to be sweating out some dumb calls late in some of our bets, right? Yeah, just wait till next year when they start outlying certain tackles and there's even more, uh, you know, judgment calls. That's exactly what everybody needs, more judgment calls. Well, hopefully you all enjoy your Christmas. I know Mo kind of ruined it for everybody at the front with his Debbie Downer attitude. I hope, Mo, next year you go into Christmas shopping with a better attitude. Can you do that for us? We'll see how much time I have. No promises. Depends on how much poker you're playing, I guess, right? It, it can at times. Yeah, I'm also considering, man, this is this is off the off the beaten path here. But I'm also considering coaching girls basketball for my cousin's kids. That's going to take up even more time. So, all right, yeah. I respect. That's a gift. That's a gift in itself, right? It can be. You're right. It, it, it's it could be torture as well. Torture for me probably, but uh, I don't have any experience except for you know playing a lot of hoops in my life and obviously watching a lot of hoops. So uh, we'll see if that's something I can even manage. Good luck.
to Mo is all I have to say. Good luck to everybody that's betting on the NFL Week 16 slate. Remember, if you're doing so and you haven't signed up with BetMGM Sportsbook, you can use promo code the lines one word to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Be sure to check out all of our plays for Week 16 in our Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. That's where you could find my betting guide and the survivor guide. Speaking of Circus Survivor that Mo wrote up earlier in the week. And remember to check out play.thelines.com where you could find all of our free NFL Week 16 contests for a chance to win Amazon gift cards. We're giving away those on the daily. Be sure to follow Mo on X at MoNoir2Ws. You can follow me at Eli Herskovich. Thanks for watching and listening to this edition of Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody, and Merry Christmas.